0: Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's coming to you from a hotel room in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It is warmer than it is in Ohio, and I found coffee. So life is good for me, and hopefully life is good for you as well. appreciate you tuning in, as always, on this Friday edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, where we'll be breaking down all things DFS, specifically on DraftKings, getting you a couple prop bets before we get out of here as well. As always, I am joined by none other than the prop prophet himself, Andrew Nixon, PFF analyst you hear him here multiple times every single week Andrew my friend how are you
1: what's up Ian uh the the props were not great last week uh you so missed by a half yard I mean I'm, I know the, the, the rushing ones absolutely kill <laughs> me it's like every time it's around 60 yards it's just 59 or 61 you just you run bad but hey we're ready to bounce back I had a couple other props hit pretty well on prize picks so yeah guys it's a lot of fun get in on prizepicks.com and yeah let's let's run it back this week
0: Still a great day to be great either way, Andrew. As always, we're going to go through cash and tournament lineups alike. We're going to kick things off with cash. Again, for those that are new to DFS, we are just trying to build a head-to-head lineup or if you enter a 50-50, just trying to finish in the top half of your field. We are not really concerned about ownership projections here. We just want to give ourselves the highest floor possible. So with that in mind, Andrew, I was going through the quarterbacks and I saw Derek Carr, I saw Tua, and I was like, those guys are probably the cheapest. And then uh, the model I was looking at didn't have Taysom hill in there and i said oh shit that's the guy we need at 5500 with that said andrew you know we do need to wonder about Taysom. is he really going to be as reckless of a runner as he was last year is this offense capable of enabling him without a michael thomas out there and i think this kind of brings us to our main quarterback question here do we want to go down to Taysom hill at 55k or get up to lamar jackson at 7.3k because andrew like i see josh allen in the 8k range i don't know why lamar isn't right there with him
1: yeah, I know. That, that's why, you know, usually when I build my cash line, it's sorry all right, where's Jalen Hurts? Put him in, good to go. And that would have been my approach to, in this week as well. But Lamar Jackson is just way too cheap at, at 7,300. You know, he's only $400 more than a Jalen Hurts. So you're getting the same, you're getting actually more rushing equity. You know, Lamar Jackson leads the NFL and rushing yards per game at quarterback at 69. And you also get a passing ceiling that Jalen Hurts just does not, does not have. You know, considering just what he's done so far this year and just the matchup against the Chargers, who are a much more run-funnel defense. Like, there's a fear that the Eagles just do what they did last week and just run the ball between their three running backs yeah. and they don't really let Hurts throw. Again, he's still going to rush a little bit, so I don't think he's a total zero and he's going to play all four quarters. So I don't. I think he's still going to get, like, 15 points. But Lamar just has a 30-point ceiling. Like, he's doing what he did during his MVP year. Like, it's kind of that type of play where he's going to score 30 fantasy points against a Vikings offense and defense that can kind of keep pace a little bit i think i think this game has a chance to go back and forth you have the two teams i think in terms like pace of play like this game really stands out the vikings and ravens and basically what i found was like a 2v2 when i looked at adding the running backs tight ends dsts it was basically if you want Taysom hill then you can get tyree kill but if you go up to lamar jackson you play marquise brown instead so andrew what if i
0: told you there's a way where we can have both all right let's do that (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's good points all around. And look, this Minnesota defense, we haven't been scared of the group all year by any stretch of the imagination, but truly people, losing the Neil Hunter from that defensive line is I think one of the single biggest injuries we could even look at around the league in terms of a team, team's front seven. Last year, I think was the first time in Mike Zimmer's era as the Vikings head coach, which goes all the way back like to 2014, not mocking the you know, use of era like we do here sometimes in the fantasy football industry. But with that in mind, man, like that defense last year, was very crappy i believe they're bottom five scoring they could not pressure the passer and they could not cover anybody this year you know i've told you the shot breeland the patrick peterson who's on ir anyway i told you guys those stats they have been brutal all year long the one saving grace was daniel hunter his ability to get consistent pressure and going into last week they were the fifth ranked defense in pressure rate so you take him out i think lamar hollywood should have all day to throw Both of these outside cornerbacks, Andrew, are not able to run a 40 and faster than 4.6 seconds. I think Hollywood Brown can. So I too am leaning towards Lamar because as we get on to wide receiver here, it's kind of a weird pricing scale. There's only four guys in Thielen, Allen, DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks, maybe some more of that could end up playing later in the week. But there's only four guys priced between 6 k and 7 k So because of that, I don't really feel the need to try to save an extra $500, $600 here to go really get up high at wide receiver. We want Tyreek Hill. I am with you there. He's going to cost us $7,900, and that's fine. But after that, I'm actually fine going much lower in the pricing scale. We got a bunch of guys. T. Higgins at 5.3. Hollywood at six, Jalen Waddle 5.6. Even below that in the 4K range, I think things are perfectly um, attackable. Hunter Renfro at 4.8K, Rondale Moore 4.2, Rashad Bateman at four, Brian Edwards at 4.1K. Like Andrew, I just think that as much as Tyreek and Hollywood are great, I don't feel the need to go pay up in the 7K range or any other wide receivers.
1: No, and I think that's going to make it really interesting when we, when we do talk about tournaments because I, it's pretty clear like what the build is like optimally for cash games like you pay up a running back, you pay down a receiver except for Tyree Kill- like it seems like it's pretty straightforward what you do and that's why you basically just do the opposite um, in the <laughs> tournament build. So yeah, I tried to find like a receiver that was under 4K that I didn't make me want to like vomit and I know my guy Deontay Harris always stands out but unfortunately he's not a guy with playing cash games.
0: <laughs> so So what you're saying is that you saw Zay Jones's name and started vomiting. I mean,
1: I mean, it's not like we were excited to keep playing Henry Ruggs out there. And I know, so. I know. We're, we're not, we're, we are not going
0: to Zay Johnson. Maybe, <laughs> maybe in a tournament, but no, definitely not in cash. So, okay, again, we got like, like Lamar at QB. I think it's viable to pay up there. Tyreek at wide receiver, and then Hollywood Renfro, Rondale. You also had, I believe, Jarvis Landry uh, written down. Andrew, that's very viable. With Odell Beckham Jr., apparently not a part of the team anymore. Essentially,
1: like, he's not on the team anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Cleveland,
0: maybe figure that out the day before when you could have traded the man. Like, yeah. I, I just don't even know what's going on there. But it is what it is. And yeah, Rashad Bateman at 4.0, I think, is probably the cheapest you could feasibly go in a cash game. Andrew, at running back, I think it's really—that's why I skipped him to begin with. I, think, I just think it's really straightforward. We're getting Austin Eckler, and we're getting Ezekiel Elliott yeah
1: yeah I mean those are the two straightforward guys I mean Eckler is number one in, in PPR fantasy points per game since week four and I don't Sheesh. get why he's not 8k he's also playing the Eagles who are one of the worst run defenses in the NFL and they're really bad against pass catching running back so it's like literally the perfect script you could want for an Austin Eckler and I don't see why you'd want to pay up for Kamara at 8200 when I mean you just talked about you know Taysom Hill and kind of his just ambiguity as a quarterback, like, okay. Like he also brings a lot of question marks about Camara. And we also saw Camara's role kind of, he didn't run as many routes last week. Is that because they added Mark Ingram? Like there's just a lot of question marks. He also saw a really slow snapshare last week, Mark Ingram was playing. So there's just a lot of question marks I have about Camara. That doesn't make me want to pay up for him as the most expensive running back.
0: McCaffrey First game back, if he is going to be out there at all. Dalvin Cook on the road against the Ravens, who we have actually seen offer a pretty damn good run defense this year. Not that good of a secondary. Maybe more on that here in a little bit. Aaron Jones with Jordan Love under center. Joe Mixon against Miles Gary and company. Yeah, I think Zeke and Eckler are the clear-cut top two running backs we want to squeeze in the cash game lineups of all shapes and sizes. Andrew, a tight end. We're going with our guy, Albert O. He's the cheap start of the week 2.6 K and once again man like I think we've done a good job Disley I think is the only and I'm not saying it was a bad call we've seen Disley have multiple touchdown games but Disley is I think the only like sub 3k tight end we've touted on here all year that hasn't had like legit high-end receiving ability that is Albert O more or less I mean they use him he's not like a Jasicki. he's not a Kyle Pitts he runs routes like as a normal tight end and everything but just based on what he's able to do down the field giving you that actual up side where we're not just praying that one of his three catches happens to be in the end zone. Alberto actually can't give us a ceiling despite that low price point. Obviously, just need to make sure Noah Fant is not going to play in this game due to being on the COVID list. And then, Andrew, we have Kansas City at 2.3K on on defense. So, for me, like my early build that I wanted to get, again, squeeze in Tyreek and Marquise Brown in, I got Lamar QB, Zeke and Eckler at running back, Tyreek and Hollywood had to go down a little bit from there, Rondale Moore, 4.2, potentially without Hopkins and A.J. Green, then Hunter Renfro at 4.8K. He's already someone that's catching five balls a week. I know the upside isn't huge, but I think we also just look at short white slot receivers and say like, oh, they have no ceiling. Like, look at the guy. It's like, no, people, if they score a touchdown and they catch six passes for 80 yards, like that's just the same as if some dope field stretcher did it as well. Obviously not having Henry Ruggs in this offense could, I think, hurt the overall efficiency. But usually in these situations, Andrew, we see volume went out and Renfro could be that guy, pal. So that's kind of my final feels on the cash side of things. You got anything else you want to grab your chest here, Andrew? No,
1: I I just think that the Renfro approach is interesting because I think that he's getting – more hype because henry ruggs isn't there and i really don't think that's warranted i don't really think their roles really affect each other that much i think that remember was still going to get you know around his targets you know eight yeah. to ten targets per game but i think the matchup actually does really favor him anyway against the giants they're actually ranked third in targets allowed to slot wide receivers you look at the pff uh, wide receiver cornerback matchup chart you know he has the second best one in the slot Um, among the slot receivers so i think that he was set up for success whether rugs was going to play or not so i think edwards will probably get the coverage from bradbury so i mean edwards is more of a a guy i'd probably look for in tournaments darren waller supposedly coming back hopefully so maybe we'll (laughs) talk about him in tournaments as, as well but yeah i think renfro in the ppr scoring yeah he doesn't offer upside but it's like okay well then if he scores two touchdowns oh boom well there's your upside
0: and he is our path to getting Lamar, Hollywood, and these other guys. Because if you don't want to go with those two guys in the 4K, it just becomes awfully hard uh, to squeeze everyone else in that we mentioned. So it's not the end of the world. Again, if you want to go off Lamar and just go tr- go with the Taysom Hill experience, it did work out last year with four top 12 performances in each of his four starts. I just would rather, I think, have this firepower elsewhere. Alright, Andrew, good stuff. Let's move on to some tournament talk. Trying to take down GPP. Now, I want to differentiate the old lineup so we can beat potentially hundreds of thousands of people here and take down the melee. I want to say first, though, give me Kirk Cousins, these receivers, all day, every day this week. Andrew, I'm not afraid of this like Ravens defense. They are not the same group as they have been in years past, and I think as much as I was ready to say that, after Carson Wentz threw for 400 yards on him, I had to take a step back because they shut down Justin Herbert. But then we saw Joey Burrow and Jamar Chase absolutely go nuts on these guys. So, with Kirk Cousins, he is literally PFF's highest graded quarterback this year when he's not under pressure. But he has like the third largest drop off in yards per attempt when he's not under pressure compared to when he is finally under duress. So, Things can go bad for Kirk in a hurry, but you look at this Ravens defense, they're one of the most blitz happy units in the league, but they rank 27th in pressure rate. So I'm looking at the projected ownership for Cousins, for Jefferson, for Thielen, it's low for each. I know it's not the easiest and most affordable stack to build, but again, we're talking tournaments here. I think that gives you a leg up. So Cousins, Jefferson, Thielen, sign me up. Final note, I do think that Josh Allen is, Probably, even if he is overpriced compared to Lamar, maybe that's why people aren't going to be going up quite as far. I know quarterback ownership usually pretty flat regardless, but they are playing the freaking Jaguars. And Josh Allen, the Bills, one of these few teams where we don't need to worry about blowout game script quite as much because he's the one running in for the touchdowns. He's the one still throwing YOLO balls deep into the third quarter up 30. Josh Allen is truly an enigma in the fantasy football world. What quarterbacks are you liking to try to take down a tournament this week, Andrew?
1: Yeah. So I do think that looking at Jordan Love at $4,400 is kind of interesting because there's, I mean, just look at the price point. Like it's, it's so low. It's lower than every other quarterback you could find in a starting lineup. And obviously Jordan Love brings a lot of question marks. Like we don't know, you know, how good he really is. You know, he didn't really play a lot in the preseason, but we do know he moves around a little bit. He has some mobile capabilities to his game. And we also know, I'm assuming Devontae Adams is coming back. He has two of the best, you know, skilled players at their respective positions at wide receiver and at running back. And I mean, when you watch the Green Bay Packers, a lot of it is kind of like scripted stuff where he's just getting the ball into Devontae Adams' hands. He's getting the ball to Aaron Jones. And if that's all Jordan Love has to do, at 4,400 against the Chiefs defense, which is a terrible, I mean, you can even play the Chiefs defense and Jordan Love and just kind of hedge <laughs> a little bit. He's like, all right, does pick six? Don't worry about it. Like I got Jordan Love in the starting lineup. I put Chiefs defense in as well. And then you collect all the points regardless of how well he does. So I just think it unlocks a lot of capabilities and makes it so you can do a lot of different things. You can play Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams because you can play with Jordan Love. So you're creating like a game stack with two of the best wide receivers. Think about it, that Adams will obviously be less rostered because he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers, but as you brilliantly pointed out in Twitter in like May that I had to go and search for Ritie <laughs> because I remember you that you tweeted it. I wasn't just randomly looking for it. I was like, <laughs> I know Ian tweeted this like a long time ago, so I need to find it. Um Devontae Adams has been productive without Aaron Rodgers before. Like he's had big games before. Obviously his floor is significantly lower without Aaron Rodgers, which is why we're not gonna pay off for him in cash, but in tournaments, you know, he's still playing the Chiefs defense. That is terrible. And who's Jordan Love gonna throw the ball to? He's going to throw the Devontae at him. He's not going to, you know, read the defense and go through all his reads to try to figure out how to get the ball to MVS. Like, it's just going to be, all right, uh, where's Devontae? All right, throw it to him. So I think Jordan Love makes a lot of sense in the matchup. And he's also playing in the late game in window, So I think it's interesting as like a late swap potential if you're trying to catch the field in certain lineups. And then I also like Tua. I mean, he's playing the Houston Texans. It's a great matchup for him, and Tua has been really productive in his last three games that he's played. Now, he's had two really good matchups, and he's been a fringe quarterback one in those spots. Last week, not so much against the Bills, but he still scored 15 fantasy points, like against a really good Bills defense. So he's actually third in expected fantasy points per game over the last three weeks at the quarterback position. And look, you know, Desha- this is Deshaun Watson's te- Texans team. So, and the whole Deshaun Watson saga, I think Tua is going to try to show out a little bit in this matchup. There, you know, 2 Let's go buying into a narrative a little bit but we know who to stack them with Parker, Waddle, Gusecki those guys are all set up to smash and I know that the Texans are a really bad run defense but the Miami Dolphins probably arguably have the worst running game like running (laughs) offense like they can't run block so even though Miles Gaskin like okay like he's interesting it's like they're probably just going to have to throw the football, and that's where they'll be productive, and that's how their offense has had success, has been throwing the ball and not running it, even against a bad run defense. So I think Tua, especially his price point, is also very attractive.
0: They don't even try to run. This is literally the most pass-heavy offense in the league in non-garbage time situations. Like, they are happy to throw the ball out. And, you know, I was bringing up Cousins and Jefferson, and Thielen, like that being a really expensive stack to try to, wrap, try to wrap your head around. This is like the opposite. You can go Tua, you can go Gaskin, Waddle, Jasicki. I think, was Devontae Parker like the most expensive one kind of of the group? I didn't even see what his price point is, but I think all those guys are viable this week. Parker, man, actually, I know last week was his first game back. I We were talking, I think we said that on this podcast, about the potential for like a trade showcase, and they kind of did give him that, you know, never didn't score a touchdown, so didn't blow up the slate or anything. But this year... Devontae Parker has at least seven targets in all five of his games. The only other guys that can say that: Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, Debo Samuel, and Calvin Ridley. So pretty good company for Parker. And yeah, the Texans look their run defense sucks, but their pass defense sucks too. Yards per <laughs> attempt, pretty
1: much bad right, right. They did suck. Yards
0: <laughs> per attempt allowed to wide receivers. They're thirtieth explosive pass play rate. They're thirty-first. So love Waddle and Tua. That's a great point there, sir. Over at the running backs, yes, we are going back to the Damian Harris. Well, we've been lucky enough to hit on him in each of the past two weeks. And really in this one, it's not quite as tasty of a matchup, I think, as uh, you know we would kind of expect here. let me pull up my notes here as I'm trying to talk at the same time. Not quite as juicy of a matchup. You know, I think it was a lot easier to see with Harris going against the Chargers. And then as a big favorite against the Jets, like, okay, this dude's going to absolutely ball out this week. This week, though, against the Panthers, actually, I believe like their second or third best defense and fantasy points per game allowed the running backs. That is because they've allowed fewer receiving yards to running backs than anybody Damon Harris isn't catching passes. Once you actually look at the Panthers in terms of yards per attempt, allowed yards before contact, yards after contact, you see they're a middling to actually a bottom tier defense. And then from there... It's sounding like PJ Walker is going to be under center with Sam Darnold still in the concussion protocol. Even if he's not, like this is the situation for the Patriots to make whoever's under center once again see ghosts, get up by multiple touchdowns and feed their, their bell cow, Damon Harris. So he has only busted twice this entire season. That was against the Buccaneers and the Saints. I just mean busted as like, didn't even have like 15 touches. And in those games, they were facing two of the best front sevens in football that we consistently see teams stray away from trying to play against their strengths. So I do think this could be a sneaky spot for damon harris to you know get 15 20 touches as a potential um you know extremely positive game script unfolds for the patriots also thank daryl williams at 5.7k now before all of you that just went to bed at halftime of that monday night game uh you know curse me out and turn off the pod realize everything corrected itself in the second half of that one Derek gore had one drive in the first half he did well with it kudos to him Daryl Williams is still the starting running back in KC. We need to make sure that Claude Ebersolaire isn't coming off IR this week and doing his thing. But otherwise, we still have Darrell Williams set up to see between 15 and 20 combined carries and targets in a Chiefs offense that, like, okay, Andrew, I get it. They've been bad. But let's not act like this has been just the worst situation imaginable. I mean, they scored 31 points. Oh, let me see. All the way back three games ago. Like, they've only had a two-game downstress. They scored 42 two weeks before that. And everyone wants Mahomes and Tyreek, Kelsey. Even were expecting those guys to come out and ball. Hey, maybe that is maybe that is the case. But once again, we have a home favorite running back in one of the league's still top ten offenses, in my opinion. That I think will go under owned at just 5.7k. So Daryl Williams, Damon Harris, and then at, final note. Getting all the way up to Alvin Kamara at 8.2K could be a good move in tournaments because, as we brought up, Eckler and Zeke are such obvious plays beneath them. I do think maybe going with Kamara, going with Dalvin Cook, instead of going up to Tyreek Hill at wide receiver, could, again, just help differentiate those lineups for you. Now, Andrew, I'm looking at your wide uh, your running backs, and I, I see what we got going here. We got the Dolphins stack, Miles Gaskin, Malcolm Brown is gone. You know, Patrick Laird played a few snaps last week. But finally, we have a 2RB backfield in Miami.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that the point that you brought up about Daryl Williams is is really sharp. I've been seeing all this this, this Derek Gore love, and I, I, it's kind of, like, mind-blowing to me. I see his roster ship projection. It's, like, kind of high. At, at 4K, I'm just like, wait, what's going on? Like, like, three
0: snaps in the second half.
1: Like, if you people think that that great performance was going to lead to more opportunity, it would have happened in the game, in that game. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, he had that one drive, and that just, that one drive just happened to end up getting them down to the goal line, and he was on the field when they were, you know, in the side of the five yard line, so if it just had been Daryl <laughs> Williams that had been into that drive, we no one would be even talking about it. So it kind of blows my mind just that the Derek Gore has become just this Monday night hero, you know, overnight, and Daryl Williams is kind of being tossed to the side, you know, at five point seven K. So I think that that's really smart and, and sharp of you to bring up. So Miles Gaskin again. Obviously, the Miami Dolphins passing attack is going to be the focal point for most people. I think the two the of two double stacks, I think, are actually going to be pretty popular. I think they were popular two weeks ago when he was in a really positive matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. So I think it's a little bit trickier because now it's there's three guys to pick from and not two with Waddle and Gusecki. Now you're adding in Devontae Parker to the mix. So I think Gaskin kind of makes it a little bit more constrained. He does catch passes, so we know that he's used in that element of the game. And he's going to see 15 touches. like He saw it. Last week, he's seen it every single time that they've been away from Malcolm Brown. And if you're playing the Houston Texans, you're a running back and you're going to touch the ball 15 times, like chances are you may have a nice fantasy game. Like that's kind of, you just kind of zoom out a little bit and be like, hey, 15 touches, Texans defense equals smiley face. Like that's what should happen in this situation with Miles Gaskin. And I do want to mention as well as another guy that I actually really like a lot is Josh Jacobs. You know, coming off the bye week, I think he has an advantage to. Got going after players after bye weeks because people kind of forget about them They're like oh like what's what's going on the last thing we remember of jacobs was him scoring a touchdown doing like a weird like chest bump thing and then like not playing in the second half and just being hurt so he's fine like the injury was not significant I'm not really sure what actually happened with his chest injury but he's not on the injury report to start this week and he's in a really good spot against the new york giants you know big blue ranks fourth in rushing yards allowed of running backs the season so i think jacobs is in a really good spot you know we've seen his pass game usage like teeter a little bit it's been up and down but at least it's had its ups which is just it's honestly good enough for me instead of just being a total zero so i think that josh jacobs is a nice guy at 6.2k he's in a kind of a weird range not in the 7ks where we're paying up for those other guys but not you know bottom barrel where some of these 5k guys are so i think josh jacobs look the raiders the biggest thing with them is they're never winning games like they should win this game so that provides well for josh jacobs score touchdowns and maybe catch some passes along the way
0: You can stack him super easy with the Raiders' defense. Just 2,900 against Daniel freaking Jones, people. Like, what quarterback would you want to play, like, even more than Daniel Jones? Uh, With the Raiders, too, I mean, Max Crosby getting that pressure. Like, this is not a good situation for the Giants' offense. Love that call to go with Jacobs. Now, at wide receiver... I got a couple names for all you lovely listeners of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. First and foremost, continuing on the Vikings train, Justin Jefferson, 7.5K. Adam Thielen, 6.9K. Stack them up there, people. Shootout in Baltimore. Most people are going to want the Lamar side. That's why you, a scholar, are going to take the contrarian route. Cousins with his top two wide receivers. also think that Manny Sanders, 5.6K in a prime bounce back spot against the Jaguars like Cole Beasley has had back-to-back great weeks. So now everyone's on the Cole Beasley train. What happened the previous five weeks? It was all Emmanuel Sanders. So, hey, maybe one of these days, both of them ball out. Maybe it's just Stephon Diggs week. Either way, when we have a situation where a guy goose egged on usage that was perfectly fine and now he has another great matchup, like that's the exact type of bounce back spot that we wanna go to. So, you know, we always talk about unrealized air yards on this podcast and how they can be a sign of, you know, potentially a future boom. Nobody had more unrealized air yards than Emmanuel Sanders last week. Only guy actually in triple digits. So all about Manny at the mid 5K range. Also think Christian Kirk, 5.3K. We talked about Rondale Moore being a great guy in cash games, and I would start Rondale over Christian Kirk in season long. We're not playing season long, Andrew, so let's take the guy. Figures to fetch far less ownership, still a starting receiver in an offense with Kyler Murray under center. Uh, we mentioned earlier Andrew was throwing up, but it's not the worst play I've ever seen the to go after Zay Jones at just 3K. He really is the only salary saver at wide receiver. Final note, I guess, would just be Marvin Jones at 5.7K. I don't love it. I mean, I think I would probably just end up playing Emmanuel Sanders over him in most of the lineups. But you know what? It stuck out to me. So if any of you out there decide to play him and he pops off, just give me all the credit in the world for that call. Andrew, um, we talked about this before with Jordan Love, but yes, I agree. I think Devontae Adams is a fantastic pivot off of Tyreek Kill in tournaments. I also like one name he got on here who is Kadarius. Tony should be in line for a lot more slot reps with Sterling Shepard already ruled out.
1: Yeah, every time Kadarius Toney is on the field, Daniel Jones is trying to force-feed him the ball. He you know, he's a 41% target rate per route run over the last four weeks, which is number one in the NFL and tony is talented like we've seen him make big plays his yards per route run number one in the nfl over the last four weeks he's pff's second highest graded by receiver over that time so he's a good player he's going to see targets and he's playing the raiders so i think it sets up really well for him to have a productive outing and he works really well with oh you want to play jacobs you stack him with Kadarius tony in a skinny stack so i think it makes a lot of sense from one of these games that i don't think a lot of people are going to be hyped about Giants Raiders, but we've seen both these offenses have decent outings and put up points and and play fast. So I think that there's an opportunity where this game does kind of get a little bit high score and we do see some points scored. So, I think it makes a lot of sense to go with a player like Kadarius Toney. I also like uh, DJ Moore. I, again, it's it's basically just, it's a turn play only because we're going to have PJ Walker on our center and that's obviously not great, but DJ Moore has had the target share all year long. Like he is the clear alpha in this offense and what happens when we have backup quarterbacks in games is they just look for the alpha receiver. You know, it's the Brandon Cooks, Davis Mills corollary where Br- Davis Mills is just throwing the ball to Brandon Cooks like he's not trying to throw the ball to anybody else because he doesn't want to go through his reads. And we actually definitely- have
0: Tyrod under center
1: this week, which is interesting. Oh, perfect. So you got to fade Brandon Cooks then. No, no, no. No, that's good for that's very good for Brandon Cooks. Just to get that boost in efficiency anyway, humanly possible. He makes a lot of sense um, as it bring back in these Miami stacks. And Brandon Cooks is going to be like super high rostered, but uh, it makes sense. So I think that it makes. Perfectly to go with DJ Moore as a tournament play. The Patriots have been susceptible against better wide receivers. It depends on what Bill Belichick ultimately tries to do. I think he might try to take away the run game more or less than take away DJ Moore and he could be facing garbage time depending on how this game plays out. So DJ Moore, just a really talented wide receiver, 6.4K and he's not going to be highly rostered. So I like him as a low-owned wide receiver that he could boom like we've seen him have massive weeks before we know he's talented yak guy he can make plays downfield and, and there's really no one on the Patriots. there's no corner on the patriots that can really cover him one on one one-on-one. so unless they go all zone i think that dj moore could make some plays and i always have to always mention deonta harris 3900 <laughs> always he's always popping in the wide receiver cornerback matchup chart because he just has a really really high pff grade and he is getting targets in the saints offense so if you are playing case and hill i think that if you just want to do a one stack, I mean, you could probably t- play Taysom Hill naked in a lot of situations, but if I were to pair him with anybody, it would probably be Deontay
0: Harris. Yeah, I am anticipating DJ Moore catches that J.C. Jackson shadow. But this year, I mean, Devontae Parker at 81 yards um, under Jackson's watch. Mike Evans, seven catches, 75 yards. He shut down Brandon Cooks, but that was the game where Chris Conley and Chris Moore were going bonkers on the other (laughs) side. So, yeah, I would not be, you know, just completely fading even a P.J. Walker-led offense purely because they're facing the Patriots. Quickly on tight end, again, going all the way down to Albert O makes sense, but you know, when you see these sub 3K tight ends in tournaments, usually a pretty easy way to differentiate that old lineup is to get away from them. So just for a couple hundred dollars more, you can get Tyler Conklin at just 3K as most of you probably saw on Sunday night. Once again, more than just this, you know, dad bod tight end that we're hoping one of his two or three catches is in the end zone. He actually can make some contested catch goodness and some yak opportunities happen for himself. It looks like, yeah, I mean, I, when I pulled up the Raiders injury report, Andrew, no Josh Jacobs and no Darren Waller. Great to see. So, you know, I was looking at Foster Moreau down there at 3K, but it should be Darren Waller back in action this week. Final note I got here, Kyle Pitts, 5.9K. And it's funny, I got I, I gave everyone an assignment on this podcast when Dwayne and I were doing the breakdown, and uh, someone actually called me out. Uh, who was it? Yeah, at Danny Palk. Appreciate you, my friend, because he heard on... A fellow fantasy show. I'm not going to name names here, but basically they said Mike Jasicki has a great matchup because Houston's terrible against tight ends. He's a wide receiver, everyone. So let's not uh, you know, use the incorrect positional designation there for the matchup. And the same thing applies for Kyle Pitts this week. You know, broke Kyle Pitts is facing a Saints defense that is the fourth best or sixth six, uh, best defense against tight ends. Whoa, Kyle Pitts is facing a Saints defense that is the fourth worst against wide receivers. So I know there's no Calvin Ridley, and I do think it'd actually be better for Pitts if Ridley was out there to kind of help take away some of the attention but he's not going to catch Marshawn Lattimore's shadow like Pitts plays far too much in the slot for that to be a realistic possibility I'm not saying there might not be a you know a high leverage matchup here or there but a lot of times when you're watching these games like the terminology the announcers are using to like denote a shadow or like a one-on-one matchup they aren't actually watching them snap to snap like if there's a third down they see Lattimore and DJ more like they'll just say like oh Lattimore's been doing great on DJ all day whether or not they've actually been lining up time and time again so Kyle Pitts he'll see some snaps against Lattimore I don't think it's gonna be a full game's worth and at just 5.9k I mean once again it's like Kelsey is kind of like the only tight end to really break through the mold of DK's pricing algorithm that just doesn't reward tight ends for being number one guys so Pitts of 5.9 andrew's 5.5 even george kittle may be coming back at 5.2k man there's a lot of good tight ends this week that i think have a lot higher ceilings than we're used to we talked about this a couple weeks ago with the was it rsj and i think it was rsj and kelsey like we had our cash game build, i think we had to pivot off something eventually but we had two tight ends in the cash game build even if you want to get contrarian tournaments this week i think going with two of these higher upside tight ends is more than viable
1: yeah, no, I was thinking about the double tight end approach. And, I mean, you could really realistically go zero tight end. You go zero tight Ooh. end, you go Gusecki and Kyle Pitts. So you don't have to play a single tight end, which I honestly do not hate. Even though it was interesting, I saw Gusecki did <laughs> actually that. play yeah. a season high in inline snaps last week. So I'm he, not did. Sure if he did. He did. So I'm not sure if that was because of Devontae Parker. But, as we've noted, he's now playing the Texans. So if he is playing a little bit more tight end, that actually doesn't work in his favor. So, you know... To, to each their own with Mike <laughs> I do want to mention as well I don't think you hit on it but Dallas Goddard I think is just mispriced at, at 4,500 you know ran around 89% of Jalen Hurts dropbacks you know he's he already saw half of his his target his pass attempts last week now obviously it's a small sample size only threw the ball 14 times but you no, Goddard is over 70 yards receiving and Hertz has like barely thrown the ball the last two weeks. So what happens if, oh, they're down by a lot against the Chargers defense that ranks third in phase points allowed per game to tight ends. And Goddard does play tight ends. So we can actually use that a little bit more than the Texas matchup for Mike Gusecki. So Goddard, I, I think makes a lot, he, he's a wicked high. We still haven't seen that ceiling game from him that we know he has without Hurts in the picture. It's really just been kind of the, the game flow that's kind of held him back because he's been stupid efficient over the last couple weeks.
0: No, Dallas Goddard is fantastic, and I agree with you. He's someone that I think we all have ranked in our top five or six tight ends uh, season long, and he can't even crack, let's see, barely cracking the top eight, or he's not cracking the top eight on uh, DraftKings just Sunday only. So Dallas Goddard there, he looks like he might be a little chalky, but I don't know. I think with some of the, you know, having Kelsey up top, having Pitts, Waller, and even a potential returning Kittle, I think Goddard could be going a little bit more under the radar relative to how he might have been set up a week or two ago at this price point. Andrew? more defense stacks thoughts hit me
1: no i think it's the the raiders makes a ton of sense you you hit on them and their their pass rush is one of the best in the nfl so at 2900 they're also not like super expensive i always hate paying like 4k or you know when the rams defense was 5k for two straight weeks for just some god known reason i don't know why i i just don't want to pay that type of price but you know 2900 for the raiders makes a lot of sense they're in a good spot i think that the panthers cleveland browns eagles in that low 2k range also make a ton of sense i do want to point something out about the miami dolphins so they're at 3100 and we saw a similar pricing with this matchup before so the arizona cardinals a couple weeks were priced 3100 against the houston texans and they were like 40 percent rostered in tournaments so i think that's a sign to not want to play miami dolphins first of all the miami Dolphins defense is just not good and tyra taylor is playing under center so maybe it's not as high but if you're just looking at what it could project it to be in terms of roster ship you know i think it's a really strong fade to go against the miami dolphins at 3100 even though they're playing the Texans, i think people might just see the Texans and be like oh we just got to jam them in no matter what they're going to be way too rostered and i think that you save 200 bucks and you play the vegas raiders i think the raiders just have a better spot overall
0: Even go down another, I mean, same price, point actually Vegas and Cincinnati, I think, are both better plays than uh, Miami. Even like just not looking, even including the opponent. Like I would just rather play Ian, gun to your head. Like what's defense is going to score more points. I would rank Miami third out of that group. Good stuff there. All right for our favorite stack of the day i think i've already made mine clear kirk cousins justin jefferson and adam thielen and let's go ahead and bring that one back with none other than hollywood brown again people we got two outside vikings cornerbacks that i just do not think can hang with marquise brown on the outside and truly he set the and he we had the bye last week so we didn't get the immediate bounce back but marquise brown set the single season high and unrealized air yards all the way back in week seven he had like 330 total air yards in that game so I get it. Rashad Bateman is back, and he has established himself as the number three in this offense. You know, ahead of all the other guys, it's still Hollywood Brown's world, and we are all just living in it. So give me that Vikings passing game, bringing it back with Marquise Brown, or even. Mark Andrews, like, I don't hate that idea as well. Just get one of those Ravens guys. You know, I'm sure Lamar Jackson is going to go nuts, but 300 passing yards, three touchdowns out of Kirk does go a long way. Only guy with more three touchdown games passing, I should say. Then Kirk Cousins since week one of last season. Aaron Rodgers, obviously not playing, so give me Kirk. Andrew, what is your favorite stack, my friend?
1: All right, well I was talking him up, I'm going to go with Tua. Miami Dolphins against the Houston Texans in a pseudo revenge game that he never actually played for the Houston Texans, but he almost did. So he's going to be playing some inspired football. So I'm excited about Tua. I'm going to stack him with Gusecki and with Devonte Parker, you know, you got to pick two guys. Like I would not stack him with all three, so you got to pick two. So those are the two I'm going with. Could it work? Maybe we'll see. But Parker's been getting more of the targets, seven targets in every game, like you had mentioned that he's played so far this season. And I actually like his matchup a little bit more on the outside. I think he's going to see more, um, better looks from Tua as opposed to the slot. And, and you know, Waddle still has that low A dot. Like he's still not seeing a lot of downfield targets, so more high value targets for Devonte Parker. So I will go with them, and I'll bring it back with Brandon Cooks. So I think it's a pretty obvious stack but hey you know people it's it's obvious when it's a tom brady doubles week and people just don't play him anyway so you know it's a two a doubles week and and that's where i'm going to go with
0: gonna redesign the podcast logo the pff fantasy football podcast could it work maybe we'll see (laughs) all right andrew fantastic stuff now a small somber note can't come in with as, as as much excitement as normal the prop streak. You were nine and two going to last week. Unfortunately, you're nine and four as we talk today. But man, you got screwed. You were so close. You had Alvin Kamara <laughs> under 60 and a half yards against Tampa Bay. It made sense to me. They brought in Mark Ingram like this was a sharp play by you, and he finished with 61 rushing yards. Cordero Patterson couldn't clear his over, even though you got a far reduced price than most of the industry was also seeing. So still nine and four. What do you got for the people this week to get back in the win column?
1: Yeah, so I'm going with a prop that you can get on on, for Monday Night Football, and it's Justin Fields over passing yards. So he is at his—it's really just about his line. It's just so egregiously low, and I understand he's playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, but the Steelers haven't been this— you know, juggernaut passing defensive unit, you know, they obviously have a great pass rush, but they, they still give up a lot of yards through the air. So Justin Fields prop is set at or his passing yards prop is at 169.5, which is just extremely it's just so low in a, in the NFL, which is just a pass happy league. Now you look at the Steelers, every quarterback that they've played this year, have, a, have eclipsed at least 172 passing yards. And Fields has done it in every single game he's played except for one of his five starts. So I I don't think that the line is giving him any credit whatsoever, especially because he's coming off his best game as a pro. Um, you know, he's thrown 29 times over his last three games, so I think that he's going to soar right past this 169.5-yard line mark. I'm surprised it hasn't gone up a little bit. I know I've been pounding the over. The Steelers rank 29th in PFF coverage grade on passes thrown 20-plus yards downfield. So I think that whether it's Allen Robinson or Darnell Mooney, I think that Hill get a couple chunk plays down the field. You know, PFF projections have him at 203 passing yards. So I I think it's just, it's really just because it's too low. If it was at like 200, I would probably shy away from it just because that's a better number, but... It's just, it's absurdly low that I got to pound the over on Justin Fields' passing yards. I like it. And And Andrew,
0: just just one quick thing, because, yeah, when I was doing my quarterback uh, predictions piece earlier, I just looked at Fields' performance under pressure, and I was just ready to write off the complete chances of this Bears offense from the beginning. Because he literally is probably the single-horse quarterback under pressure this year, but I, this probably will correct itself in the second half. They got Cam Hayward. They got T.J. Watt. I get it. But Steelers only ranked 19th in pressure rate this year. Like, this has not been your grandfather's Pittsburgh Steelers, Blitzburg defense getting after the guys. So, hey, maybe when you face the Bears offensive line, you know, that's going to uh, correct itself in a major way in prime time. It's not a smash spot. But, yeah, 169.5. Sign me
1: up. And then I'm going over... Again, with uh, a tight end, Dallas Goddard. You know, I talked about him as a play in DFS, but I think that his receiving prop line is really, really low 48 and a half yards. You know, he's exceeded that the last two weeks with 70 yards, and that's really been on really low target line. He's been doing it on efficiency. I don't expect the Eagles to run away with this game against the Chargers. I think that they'll probably end up losing this game. So I think they may have to be throwing the ball a little bit more, and Goddard should see plenty of targets. He's been the main target leader in the offense. Devontae Smith has kind of disappeared over the last couple weeks. The Chargers are a tight end funnel defense. So third most fantasy points allowed to tight ends as I mentioned before. So Goddard, 48 and a half, taking the over on his receiving.
0: Yeah, I think earlier in his career, so basically it's his rookie year because of all those damn injuries, but Durbin James was used as more of a tight end stopper in the earlier parts of his career. But this year, they still use him everywhere, but I'm looking at his uh, snaps on pff.com right now. So I think we would expect him mostly to be covering tight ends when he's lined up in the box, somewhere around there, which he's done for 132 snaps this year. But he's actually played 141 snaps as a slot corner, and the most snaps, 156, out at free safety. So look, what do we say about one-on-one matchups? They'll be always more of a tiebreaker to begin with, but. For those of you that just really respect Derwin James, you should, he's an incredible player. Doesn't mean Dallas Goddard can't clear 48 and a half yards. Like that's just an insult, Andrew. And I feel like that Derwin factor could be going into that line. So Justin Fields over 169.5, Dallas Goddard over 48 and a half. Andrew, hope you can get back on the winning track. I like those two picks. Now people before we get out of here just want to say you can get 25 percent off any pff subscription if you use code fantasy what can you get with the pff sub i'm happy you asked all of pff's locked article content weekly player ranks to help you set your lineup, strength and schedule for every player our betting dashboards prop tool and more so support the pod and use promo code fantasy for 25 percent off any pff subscription also, NFL fans hungry for a big win this week, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code PFF, bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and win $200 in free bets if they win. You win with promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. It must be 21 or older, New Jersey and Denver, Pennsylvania. Only new customers, only minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions to Japanese.com at Sportsbook with Details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Andrew, we have concluded our Week 9 DFS Preview Pod. Good job, my friend. And you and Mr. Dwayne McFarland will be for the first time since I took over this lovely podcast last, or it's been like a year and a half now. Great day to be great. But I will not be here. I am at my buddy Mikey and his lovely soon-to-be wife Megan's wedding here in Florida. So you two are riding the ship. Please don't uh, crash it, man.
1: I'm going to be pissed if you do. No, you'll be fine. No, I, I, I've been practicing my intro to try to mimic you the best I can <laughs> and pretend that it's Ian. Psych, like, it's actually not. It's Andrew and Dwayne coming at you in this very special edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast.
0: That's what you got to roll with, you like, This is a special edition. Great news. Ian's <laughs> gone. We can all talk shit now. Well, everyone, go check out Andrew's stuff on PFF.com weekly fantasy football goodness we got to start them set them buy low and sell high targets the fantasy football rankings waiver wire pickups trade candidates sit roster decisions and much much more as always on pff.com you can find my mismatch manifesto wide receiver cornerback breakdowns every single backfield breakdown and qb predictions for the upcoming week so for andrew i'm ian thanks as always for tuning in to pff fantasy football podcast and until next time take care everybody